Are you a sports fan who didn't know the NFL draft was this week? Then boy, do I have the teaser trailer for you. I'm Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show every week with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're doing mock drafts before the draft. We're grading picks after the draft. Now, do we know which picks were good and who's going to go where? No, absolutely not. We can't predict the future. But people like hearing about it. Yeah, don't you? You sickos. So we talk about it anyway. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. And guess what? If you like the draft, but you don't like me, you can go listen to the Ringer NFL Show with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati and our other NFL experts. Or you can go to nfldraft.theringer.com to check out our massive draft guide. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show and the Ringer NFL Show on Spotify because they employ me. Or it's also available on all the other platforms that don't employ me. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Prestige TV Podcast. My name is Bill Simmons here with Wazley Lambry and Chris Ryan. Since we covered winning time last week, there's been a lawsuit. (laughs) (laughs) Things have heated up. (laughs) We talked about some of the factual inaccuracies. I called the show a kind of a factual white liar. Nothing that serious. And apparently Jerry West disagreed. He felt it was very serious. He's like going full to kill a mockingbird. He's like, I'm taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. He's like, like, I've never thrown a golf club. And then HBO has stuff today. Page 68 of your autobiography. Multiple broken clubs. So, uh, yeah, look, it's this show we just had, the episode A, California Dreaming, tied into this. It's a lot of white lies. It's nothing like too major. It doesn't really, I mean, I don't know if Jerry Buss was, you know, sticking his face into the nanny's chest. I don't know if that happened, but. Some white that, lies. That was a, that was that was a strange. Yeah, that was. Awkward. I wasn't I, sure how to. That was a weird. I wasn't sure how to, we were supposed to interpret that scene. If the goal was to make us uncomfortable with Doctor Buss's sexuality, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, he's just he was ready to get it on at all times. Apparently. The cross cutting back to the mom. It's like not if in case you needed an Oedipal, you know, yeah. image. It's right there. Sally Field with the bald cap with the then crew cut cancer haircut over it because she all of a sudden had the elongated forehead. The big plot in this one was Jack McKinney trying to get his job back, which mm-hmm. um, I know people are on the internet and there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet about this except for 1980s Sports Illustrated in May about how he wasn't coming back. I also have the books because I have every basketball book ever and I went through the books. I went through Winning Time, which was a Scott Osler, Steve Springer book from 1986 that had a lot of Lakers info. Perlman had his book that they based a lot of this from. There's just, 
no evidence that any of this McKinney stuff really happened. Like he wasn't on the road with the team until a month later. By all accounts from his family was really worried about him. He had balance issues. He had memory issues. And I don't think anyone around him felt like he was ready to come back. This show makes it seem like he's got his shit together. There's like that scene in the diner. Yeah, where he forgets the guy's name. Yeah, and it's like, okay, maybe he doesn't have his shit together. But for the most part, it seems like he does. And he's very, very uh, wary of Pat Riley, which there's also no evidence of in any. And it just sets up this whole, these two guys are stealing this guy's job. I personally don't think this happened. What did you think, Wes? Um, I d- obviously, I don't think it happened quite as the show does, but for me, it sets up like some great conflict, right? Yep. Where, I, like, I guess we're supposed to believe that Riley's explaining to him, like, you need to take the reins of this so that we can have success, which to me means like, I can get a real job off of this success. Not that I want your job, but yep. like being the lead assistant for a team that has great success will position me to get my own head coaching job probably elsewhere. This makes sense Plausible. for both of us to want this, right? Like, and so it sets up, like, I like, I personally like conflict. I like all the conflict in the yep. show. I like Magic and Kareem's conflict. I like, <laughs> I like Cookie and Magic's conflict. I like um, Dr. Buss and his daughter and his employees and his business partners. They're just setting up all kinds of internal dynamics that I think work, right? Like professionally, it makes sense that a guy that's ambitious as Riley is and, you know, as he has a decent amount of self-confidence that he would be trying to achieve things. And this, and like, this is an opportunity that he's like, I'm not going back to being Chick Hearn's lackey, right? Like this is something that I feel like I'm good at, that I feel like I can excel at and that I absolutely need to be pursuing. The factual stuff, again, like, you know, people on the internet and, and people online were just like going a little nuts. Um, I think Jeff Perlman is still on the, the 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 you know the rampage about defending this show. I'm 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 over it. Uh, I think the show is justified. Like they've set it up where all of this stuff is justified. You understand why everybody is doing what they do. You understand their motivations. Historically inaccurate, but dramatically true. Right. And that's, yeah. I think that's okay. It's interesting because like I was reading a little bit about this too, Bill, like Silver Screen and Roll has been doing these recaps where they're just basically like, they're they're going back through like Lakers history. And I was reading a little bit about like how the McKinney's and the Westheads used to be like really close, like the two yep. couples. And that then they stopped hanging out because it was based, I think Cassie, uh, I can't remember if it, I guess it was Cassie Westhead. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, there's only so much time you can spend apologizing for something that's good for your family and stuff. And I was like, God, I wish that was in the show. And maybe it will be. Yeah. So there was obviously some tension there, but ultimately like you, you've got to communicate to a mass audience, like what's going on. And to do that, you need to put McKinney on the road with these guys, following them around Philadelphia, kind of lurking in the background. I doubt there were as many team wide social functions where like Jack McKinney's just holding Spencer Haywood's baby. And there's like all this like (laughs) gossip going around a party while they're watching the all-star game. But it really works dramatically. And when you have Let's Brody and Siegel doing the scenes and pissing themselves and forgetting themselves and, and ex- having explosions and crushing cores cans, it's just really, really like pretty gripping television. By the way, Bill, you know what that was? That was a succession scene. Yes. Where they get everybody yeah. in the in the yeah. place together. That's a great point. And and <laughs> 
when Spencer Haywood is outside talking to McKinney and he's looking, peering through the window at Pat Riley, a.k.a. Um, Adrian Brody. Like, that is so amazing and effective. That's a dope scene to me, even though, of course, that probably never happened in real life. Yeah, but, I mean, in real life, it's in like Spencer Haywood was pretty much off on his own just doing cocaine for this entire year. They've hinted at it. They finally brought out the pipe. Yeah. But I think it was probably worse than this. I Look, it's a TV show. I'm fine with it. It's just, it's so tough when to watch this with sports when we know what actually happened. There's no other experience like this. Here's my take. I think they're intentionally messing up some of the factual stuff because I think they know it would drive conversation week to week. Yes. It's like, mm. it's like this is like pretty blatant where you could just <laughs> look this up and go, he, oh, he wasn't on the road for another month. Oh, that Philly game was a one point loss. You know, and oh, Magic had Magic a great got, game. Actually, yeah. played pretty well and came off great. And Dr. J wasn't that good. They yeah, had the, the rock, same the amount of points. The baby dunk is like three years later. The rock right? baby dunk's three years later. It was over wow. Michael Cooper, not Magic. <laughs> like, but I almost feel like they kind of like this stuff because it it gets people to keep talking. When you think about it, like this show probably shouldn't have been ten episodes. Probably should have been eight. And if you need, like, all right, episode eight, what's our transition episode to get us toward the playoffs? Ah, need to start getting this coach conflict. Well, that doesn't happen later. No, no, we need it now. We need something now. There's nothing going on now. And they move the coach conflict up because it was a conflict. Chris, he wanted his job back and nobody around him thought he should have the job back. Chris, is is Bill growing his Kyrie third eye doing it for the clicks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is all about like the Discovery Warner merger, the Illuminati, <laughs> to distract us from the fact that no, I think what they what they're doing is creating an alternate history, an alternate reality yeah. where they're having their yeah. there is the NBA season that happened seventy nine to eighty, and then there is the winning time season that happened seventy nine to eighty, just like there is the winning time version of Jerry Buss and the winning time version version of Magic and everything, and the winning time version of Bird. And I think that as long as you're okay with that, that's fine. Like it is like it's I, I stop. I got to stop looking at basketball reference because I think that ruins the show for you. I like kind of enjoy it. I, I've actually it's added to the show because I like seeing how blatantly they don't give a shit. About right. Because like, stuff. didn't they just mess with like how many games they had played and how many days up? after Yeah. The Boston somebody had game? one of the things I read. They said by the chronology of the show, they played 27 games in 37 days. Yeah. Which would. <laughs> I think would have been a scheduling problem. Personally. I think Spencer Haywood would have had a hard time. Then you could kind of understand why he was driven to uh, maybe do more cocaine. I mean, you could argue the most egregious mistake in the show was, was making believe that Spencer Haywood was alone with a baby for, for a day. <laughs> it was 1980. <laughs> maybe. maybe the rules were a little different. Chris, how'd you feel about how Philly was portrayed? The diner with the uh, with the Phillies poster in the back. That felt pretty okay accurate. I don't know. The I food? mean, Jack McKinney was a college basketball legend around Philadelphia, so it made made sense that they were like, "Yeah, can I get your picture and stuff like that?" And mm. that it was going up next to Rocky. Maybe, maybe not around that time. You know, like the Phillies were pretty good in '80, so I would imagine there would be some. '80 was a good Philly year. Yeah, it was a great were, Philly year. Like yeah. a year and a half after Rocky too, he still has the title. I'll say Phillies this: Phillies making a run. Philly came off better than Boston in this Flat. episode. Yeah. Yeah, true. Big diner culture yeah. in Philly, by the way, uh, which I think they nailed. Like <laughs> these dudes, absolutely in their on their time off in Philly, as Philly guys would have been eating at a freaking crushing diner. some BLTs. Yeah, one hundred percent. But you know, to get back to 
the the taking of liberties because it is such a central part of the the show. I think they're getting the characters right. Though. Me too. Like, yeah, me they're too. getting Kareem's role, his character in the story of the Lakers and their rise right. They're getting Dr. Buss's character right. Even if the interiorities of these guys' lives is a little, you know, made for TV, like Dr. J's role, like I was listening to Jackie talk to um, Brian the other day on, on the Rosillo show. And she's like, Dr. J absolutely was the guy who called young people, yeah. gave them his number, gave them advice, took them in, helped them out, was this gregarious guy, generous with his time, his wisdom, his knowledge. Like, he absolutely was that person. And then I watched the show and that's how they portray him. Yeah. Okay, he didn't dunk on Magic's head afterwards. Maybe, um, I would be surprised if he didn't give him relationship advice, to be honest. Some sage relationship advice at that. But, like, they're getting Dr. J's character right. Like, he is, he was Magic's hero. He was sort of this pillar of, you know, this transition from whatever the NBA was in the 70s to what Magic and Bird would then turn it into, which basically gives us the modern NBA that we have now. So, like, he's this connective tissue and the show shows this, like, he's a legend, but he's also dunking on Magic's head. He's a contemporary, too. It's I think they're doing a great job at that stuff. Yeah, all the magic stuff in this episode where it was about people trying to get in on the ground floor of what is obviously going to be a rocket ship. And it's like Stern, Mm. you know, uh, Matt, Dr. J, Cookie. But then the best scene for me was actually, I actually really liked the Jerry West scene at the end. Me too. You know what I mean? And Jerry West coming in and being like, I, okay, this guy is a killer. Yeah, but also being like, I know that you have like you you smile all the time, but the thing that you you are a tortured winner just like me, and like I was wrong about you. I thought it was like a really good that was a really good scene and kind of redemptive for this Jerry West character that obviously has been sort of the most contentious part about the like is this ac- accurate or not? Because Jerry West apparently is going to be arguing in front of John Roberts whether or not like <laughs> this was true or not, but. I, I really thought that that and then the, the theme overall of the episode of just the amount of stress these guys are under and just the amount of stress that everybody in the organization is under from Bus to Westhead having a kidney stone and basically not even realizing it, McKinney trying to recover, Pat Riley hanging on by his fingernails to his career. Like It just actually did a really good job depicting how fucking hard this must be to like what it means to win and, and be a successful franchise and what the consequences are if you're not. Yeah, I like the last scene too. I thought that was really good. And my two favorite things about this episode were that last scene and uh, and just how they kind of captured what Dr. J meant. Basically what Waz laid out because the, the three biggest guys in the 70s were him and Kareem mm-hmm. And Maravich, who really went, you know, who was just playing on two shit teams and had no personality. He was, he was basically a mute. So Dr. J took this, especially he was the reason they had the merger. He was the guy they all looked up to. He was the guy mm-hmm. that everybody in Magic's generation wanted to be. And he was fucking cool. And he remains cool. He was cool after he retired. He's still I've seen him at All-Star yes. Weekend in the 2000s, 2010s. Guess what? He's fucking cool. He came to the podcast at Grantland. He was fucking cool. We we're all in awe of him. He's like six six. His hands are the size of my arms, and he's just magnetic. And I thought Long couch- Island legend, by the way, Chris. Yeah, well, I know. the thing is, I'm not sure about the actor. <laughs> this show takes a little mm. bit of liberty with the age of the actors playing. Like Dr. J is, 
probably like 31 in this season. (laughs) And that guy's like 45. And and Wood Harris is 52 playing Spencer Haywood with this weird (laughs) patched up beard. I don't know why they did that. I thought Wood was good this episode, though. Like I thought, like, I thought Wood getting his getting in. You his, liked his pookie moment, yeah. But I'm more like I, I liked him, like kind of zoning out and getting in his feelings about Pat Riley yeah. in that yeah. moment where he's got the baby on, it. and you could just tell this is just a dude who's just like, you know, and that that idea that these role players would basically like be asked to sacrifice for the team, and they made um like that was a huge sacrifice because if you didn't get your numbers, you wouldn't get that contract and nothing was really guaranteed Mm. back then. Like that's pretty like, it's pretty harrowing to think about like what it must've been like back in the wild West days with contracts and stuff like that. The only thing, what did you think about, um, what do you, how do you feel about David Stern? I like the way they're setting him up because he's always been one of your greatest foils. Yeah, Yeah. How do you feel about what's happening with Stern right now? I wish he, was a little more interesting as an actor. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like the way to play it would have been, you know, you're immediately suspicious of him. <laughs> would have been, would have been, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he should almost have been like a Godfather character. Like yeah. he should have had like a Barzini type of energy to him. And I don't know. They just make him seem pretty average. Hey, you know, I forget which one of you was talking about the stress that those guys wanted. I guess both of you were. Yes, yeah, we Chris. Were, yeah. You know, I got to say, like, in the moment, I don't know if the stress was, I think the stress was more the travel. But mm. when you think about it, like, the league was in the worst spot it's probably been in um, in the last 50 years at this point. Not a lot of the games were on television. And they were playing in front of half-full arenas. And a lot of it was just the grind of, like, you know, flying, sometimes, like, connecting flights and shit like that. That's the part I'm, I'm curious why they didn't try to capture a little bit more. Because you you you'd actually think the sport was bigger in 1980 than I, I actually think it was. I think it was big in a couple cities like Boston, but Philly wasn't selling out back then. Philly was like eleven. It feels 12, like you can even go to the playoff games back then. They yeah. were sold out. So I don't know. Season two's like already they, been picked up. You're right. It feels like they're um they're setting up the story, and maybe in later seasons they can get into the nitty gritty. Of it all, because they're not really getting into the intricacies of NBA life. Yeah, right now, like I kind of wish they did. This though is, I a lot of it is big. Me too. It's just I care about that more than some of these other plots. They, it's they've decided to go with this. There's ten main characters, and if you're doing that, like you're just gonna never really spend that much in depth time. Like as much as long as they're still cutting to a cookie scene or cutting to a uh, Jesse Bus scene or a Genie Bus scene, and there's nothing wrong with those those plot lines. I'm just saying, like. The more time you spend outside of the locker room and outside of the, of the team dynamic, the less time you're going to have to be like, this is the intricacies. I thought it was interesting that Bus bought his mom a TV because I thought that would have been very representative of like, okay, so like they're starting to figure out that this is a good game. This is a good sport this for good TV. good TV product. And that yeah. like there are stars and like people want to watch this and you can monetize it and you can you can commercialize it. And there's a little bit of that in the background of like Stern and Phil Knight are the early guys recognizing where this thing is going. And it almost would have been like, there's like a, there's like a super pumped of Stern and Phil Knight, you know, like in in, in, in the season. But yeah, I, I think that you're right. Like they've, they've probably shied away from really getting too much into like, what was the context of this sport in the national kind of tapestry of, of entertainment at the time. And it gets worse because it, it really bottoms out in 82. But this uh, 
we're all leading to the finals, game six, Magic's famous game, which was tape delayed on the East Coast. Like I didn't, I didn't watch it because I was asleep. Found out what happened in the morning. <laughs> I, one of the things I liked, and it was very subtle, but I wish they had really gone with it. They had the guy playing Larry O'Brien, the commissioner at the time, who is a world-class bozo as a commissioner. I had a lot of fun with him in my book. It's how bad he was. Like this guy, just every single decision he made was absolutely terrible and was looking the other way constantly with cocaine, all this stuff. But they had him briefly in this and he had like the most yellow teeth and just seemed like such, he almost seemed like yeah. the guy in Shawshank who's the He's dude's roommate who admits that he killed the banker and his wife. And he just has that like scary face. And I was like, oh, if they dip into Larry O'Brien, this could be good. Like yeah. Maybe they're planting the seed for that. But because he was just a world-class bozo. So that would be fun. And the, and the freaking, <laughs> the comedian basically performing a roast at the luncheon. Of, right. <laughs> I believe that. That, that, that was NBA yeah. All-Stars. Like, yeah. that was incredible. Speaking of, hold on, just to dip back into ahistorical stuff. Yeah. Did Magic get Cookie's best friend pregnant for real? Do we have the facts on that? <laughs> well, so he got somebody pregnant, but I think they changed the name. Okay. He has okay, a son gotcha. that he's, his son Andre, who I think worked for him for a long time, that okay, gotcha. is the only kid he didn't have with Cookie. Gotcha. But I don't think it was how it goes down in this show. I think, okay. gotcha, I think they gotcha, took gotcha. some liberties, but within the vortex of what happened. So I think they're okay. Bill, do you know anything about like whether or not Larry O'Brien was so clearly into bird over magic and was like, we're like, this is the kid right here. I mean, obviously like, yeah, it's funny. I don't, I just remember being the moment as a kid. And obviously I was very bird centric in the Boston area, but it always felt no, like they were, stop. it always felt like they were linked. It never felt like one guy, it was always the magic man and the bird man. And it was yeah. always Brent Musburger just trying to get one of those two teams on CBS. We were really in the early nuts. days of nicknames back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the, the Durant man. man versus the Giannis man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they they knew they had something with magic because, you know, we talked about this one of the last shows, but the personalities of the best players were pretty lacking except for Dr. J. And even Dr. J, as, you know, as amazingly eloquent and just charismatic as he was, he wasn't exactly magic. Magic was the first guy that came in who was like larger than life. Yeah, but Jackie's, was not. Jackie's pod about Magic on Icons was really cool because it talked about how Ma J Dr. J was the first one to really understand the endorsements in terms of like how they could be yep. partnerships and how you could sort of start to really get get your money out, out of that like as like rather than just letting them use your likeness, like you could really start to like partner with companies and start to make a lot more money that way. I was thinking this was when Albert Stan was writing breaks of the game this season that that would have been fun to have him just wander. And I wish there were more cameos. Like, I still love the Richard Pryor cameo. Me too. I wish there was more, like, if you're just going to get liberal with stuff, like, just have, like, Jamal Wilkes, who, by the way, I don't know what Jamal Wilkes did to the writers, but he's just not, not in this at all. Who's yeah. the best player in the team? But have one of those guys be like, hey, I'm going to the set, set of Caddyshack today. And now all of a sudden it's like Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. And it's the, the Gardner scene. It's like, why, why not? Have, we're going to start, you know, getting, getting rowdy. Let's really dip into the 80s. And I again, not enough cocaine yet again was my not, other note never, for this episode. Never enough. I really liked how, uh, like, the, the early trade rumors start with just, like, three guys in a room. Then it leaves yeah. the room. And then it's like, where the fuck do all these guys? <laughs> right. But it's like the early version of Woj and Sham stuff where it's just like... Well, that was Peter Vesey back then. I mean, yeah. they, they could have made him a character pretty easily. He was... 
especially on this with the... What, um, did he have like a New York Post column? Like that? Yeah, was just... his New York Post column. The two people were him and Bob Ryan had the Sunday Notes column for the Globe. And that was kind of where most of the information came from. And they would get... But, you know, like I couldn't read Vessi's column. I sort of knew about it, but it was only for people in New York. But I think that's where a lot of the rumors came from. What Harris's face when he's like, rumors? Like, he literally can't even understand yeah. where a rumor would start or how it was spread. Like, he's completely like, what? Whereas, like, rumors is just everything in basketball coverage now. To, I know. To, you know, kind of to his detriment. Well, they were time, way more transparent about it back then, too, because they... It would just come out like, yeah, we almost traded you to Philly for so-and-so. And that would just be in a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. And then that would be it. It wasn't, the infrastructure was like you, it is now. Bill, Spencer Hay Hayward for McAdoo, who says no? Oh, my God. I, I got excited just the trade machine <laughs> possibilities when that got brought up. The funny Bill, thing is, why, Hayward, did we, Ryan, why did we never Bill, invent classic trade machine where you could go around like... We, there's still time. <laughs> Well, I was thinking more along the lines of Chris Ryan for PFT. Who yeah. says no? <laughs> I need draft picks. That's <laughs> very viable. <laughs> the thing with Spencer Haywood was he he was the year before. I mean, he was hurt, but he's still in the games he played for Utah. It was like 24 and 10. Like he was a real guy. And they traded Dantley mm. for him, who was a real guy. It would be the equivalent of who's like a third or fourth year really good scorer now. Like he was like, like better like than John my, Collins. Like Miles Bridges or something? Yeah, it was like Miles Bridges. I was Bridges. just about to say That's Miles Bridges, yeah. I have some predictions for uh, for next episode. Because it, we know it's going to end with the finals and all that stuff, right? But they still have next episode to give Frisco with. First one, um, Magic joins the Argo operation and helps free the hostages in <laughs> yeah. Iran. I mean, technically, yeah. it could have happened at the same timeline. No? You like yeah. that one, Chris? I love it. Do you think he actually I, goes to Iran or he just goes to where the where the two Hollywood producers were and helps them come up with the I plan. think he does a cameo on the on this on the film that Ben Affleck's making. Yeah. Jack McKinney kills a guy. That's all I have. I'm still workshopping it. What do you think, Wes? Just kills a guy. Just a, just weaves <laughs> in the traffic, just runs over so, some bicycle. That like it all comes around. He kills a bicycle. So that what that's in line with the way I feel like they're portraying Bird. Like at some point, Larry Bird is going to call Magic the N word. <laughs> that would, that's yeah, that's the direction though they're taking the the Bird character seriously. Like they are making him this cartoonish hick. Yeah, it's like Johnny Lawrence crossed with like a, the, one of the deliverance rapists, like literally a KKK member. Seriously, the, the the way they're taking Bird right now. How do you think they're going to handle Kareem missing Game Six of the Finals? They, I was thinking a kidnapping would be fun. They're going to say that he was working on an early draft of Reagan's Morning in America speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that HBO has leaned into the controversy with this stuff. Clearly, yeah. Like there was the Hollywood Reporter thing today. Perlman was doing all these tweets and. I think their attitude is like the more people talking about this, the better this is the for better. the show. Yeah. Um, I don't think West has a case, personally. I think there there's, are more important things maybe to go in for this. Damn, yeah. that sucks. Cause I was I was really looking forward to the Sotomayor descent bill. Like I'm, that's disappointing. <laughs> I was hoping Jerry could take this all the way. <laughs> it would be it'd be crazy, like for season two, instead of toning it down, they went the other way and they insinuate that he was the night stalker. <laughs> 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 completely insane. 
was he committing crimes in the LA area that we couldn't account for? I don't know. I don't know. That how would be handle a that. great troll. I would no, love if, like, if if they if they pivoted the other way and it just became like so so monotonous and minutia of like day to day NBA season stuff, and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> Jamal got his ankle wrapped today. That was pretty. That was pretty much it. Episode four of Winning Time season two. Well, I was reading that book from funny, 19... Oh, God. No, I'm saying like the funny thing is like the way they've set it up. There's so many things they could do, like bottle episodes where it's like. All right, some guy, some you know, uh, Jamal Wilkes gets in trouble with the somebody, and the yeah. Lakers fixer has to go situated mm. or whatever. Like, there's so many things that can grow out of what they've set up here, and which again, I, I just really think it makes the show more fun outside of the hair and the goofy clothes and all of that, and the casual sexism and racism and misogyny and all of that, which is fun. I enjoy it. Uh, like mm. they've they've created a, like a really big world. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, they, and I'm with Waz. I'm always down with the party. Like a Spencer Haywood, Come please on. host more events. Let's go. Yeah. Maybe like an Easter, Easter at Spencer's house, which goes sideways because the turkey burns because he was smoking pipe in the garage. I also, but I want to know what uh, Jack McKinney's neurologist thought when he was like, hey, I'm going to go to a party at Spencer Haywood's house. That's probably okay for my recovery, right? <laughs> I'm going to fly to Philly. That should be fine, right? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude, and, and again, the stuff that I love is like when they show up to Donald Sterling's house party, instinctively, I'm like, uh-oh, what's about to happen, right? right. Like, I have this internal, like, because I know who Donald Sterling is. I'm like, oh, shit, anything could happen at this house party. That's what I think is the best part about the show, man. Like, that, that like, limitlessness of it. Well, we need more <laughs> Donald Sterling. I, I really hope he pops yes. up. I'll be interested to see how the... They're making that show about the Doc Rivers, Donald Sterling, yeah. Clippers team. What lessons they learned from winning time, like how far to, you know, get a little ambitious with the facts. Well, the, the thing I'll be fascinated to see with that one, because it's going to be so tempting to be like, and as Blake Griffin, this guy, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to have everybody. But Wood like, Harris? Is there, yeah, Wood, <laughs> Wood Harris is available. It's just like, will they go very specific about like the investigation, the way he lost the team? Like, how, how how like uh how much of a microscope are they going to use? Because obviously, winning time is like the broadest of broad views, and it's got it's got room for you know Gillian yeah, Jacobs a lot less still, witnesses, but it's got Gillian Jacobs still showing up as as Chris Riley. Like it's got like so many characters, and almost every one of these people are played by a notable actor. That it's it's uh, you know they they want to give them their due time. Mark Stein uh, reports that he was the most upset that Pat Riley sent intern Lon Rosen down to tell Paul West had to call timeout in an earlier episode. He thought that was the most unrealistic scene. Mm. I think the people that were <laughs> there around the league in the 80s seem to be the most appalled. Like, Bob Ryan, we could just have him come on and we'll just, we could put our mics on <laughs> yeah, mute just, just let him go yeah, for yeah, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> As he's just furious about just uh smoke cigarettes this. while he talks. Yeah. Guess what, guys? I still enjoy this show. I love the show. I'm not going to yeah. apologize. I still yeah. enjoy it. I like going on. I like going on Basketball Reference after to figure out how true stuff was. I'm still having a good time. Two episodes left. That's it for the Prestige TV pod. Produced by Jesse Lopez, and we will see you next time.